Okay. Welcome into the latest edition of Match Chats on Leadership. I'm Matt Childers, your Executive Director of Allen Lima Leadership, and it's great to be with you today uh, as we now uh, get a chance to visit with Rhonda Lehman. She's the CEO of Mercy St. Rita's, and we welcome into this podcast and this very table. Rhonda, good afternoon to you. How are you? I'm wonderful today. Thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah, thanks for being with me. I appreciate it. Um, we're living in extraordinary times, and I want to get to a number of the questions uh, that uh, folks would like to, to learn about you and about your leadership style and the things that have influenced you over the years. But let, let's just start off with the health crisis and what's taking place, not only across our country, but certainly uh, right here in our backyard and our community. Uh, how have you been doing uh, here in the last uh, couple of months? Yeah, so it's um, it's been a journey. In some ways, it feels like it's been a very short period of time. In others, it feels like we've been, other days, it feels like we've been living this for years. Just really um, been an exciting and I will say very enlightening time to understand the impact of healthcare and community health and getting to see a lot of different agencies and partners come together through this that I think a lot of us maybe didn't fully appreciate how those, how those health sectors have always intersected the health department, the skilled nursing facilities, even hospitals that at some, most points in time compete with one another, all needed to get around the community health crisis to see it through. Yeah, very good. Well, we appreciate everything that you and your staff are doing. And we had a great visit uh, with Matt Owens on a panel discussion on uh, last Friday with our leadership class. And Matt did a tremendous job uh, uh, with our class. And I think it was very um, informative. I got so many good messages back from the class that uh, we're so grateful to get really a, a frontline perspective on this. Uh, would you say that the amount of cases that you were preparing for and kind of the, the surge, so to speak. Um, Matt said that I asked him if we were in the a nine inning baseball game, what inning were we in? And he said he'd like to say nine, but he thinks it's more like four or five. Um, have you seen that surge yet? And, and then how has St. Rita's and Mercy, uh, how, have you, how have you been able to handle that? Yeah, so what we thought was going to be a, a tsunami of cases, a big surge, really has turned out to be this kind of constant little bit of floodwaters, I'd say, where we are understanding now that some of the experiences that other major cities had, this immense, overwhelming effect on their health systems, which we were fully prepared and still are fully prepared to handle, um, appears to, to be the hurricane has turned a bit, and we are incredibly grateful for that. And I would echo the words of our, of our leaders in the state that have said that it's because of what we did that has allowed us to be in this situation we're in now. I agree with Matt's comments um, because now we understand that this is going to be more of a pervasive thing, at least for the next couple of years, where we're seeing very critically ill patients and they're requiring care and treatment that's very unlike we've seen before. Mm. So it's, I'd say this, it's a very lower, it's a lower volume level with high acuity which we are prepared to handle, but it's very different than what we had originally expected. Yeah, all right, well, very good. Well, thank you for your work on that. I appreciate the, uh, uh, the update. Uh, as uh, we speak uh, today, it's uh, April 30th, and uh, the, um, uh, the, the, it does seem that uh, our area has uh, really prepared for the worst and uh, hope for the best, and, and we're, in a, we're in a pretty good position right now. So I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that. 
okay, let's start with uh, your early years. If you could just share from uh, a perspective, uh, how were your early years and um, uh, you grew up in uh, the Allen County area? Yep. Grew up in Eastern Allen County, um, went to Allen East to high school, um, live on a farm, still live on a farm, and I have three older sisters. So I'm the youngest of four girls, no brothers, our poor father. Mm-hmm. This really, and I guess I, I've always enjoyed this community. I love uh, the Alanese community and all of the people I've gotten to interact with throughout my involvement at St. Rita's. But yeah, so grew up pretty, I'd say pretty humble and, and really enjoyed being outside and being on the farm. Yeah, yeah very good. Uh, if you could share uh, with our audience uh, your parents and maybe some mentors' influence as you were, you were growing up. Yeah, well, definitely my parents, um, from a work ethic standpoint, and just being generally supportive of me and my sisters, um, we really got a lot of, I would say, encouragement to reach for the stars and to do whatever it was that we had in mind. Um, probably went a little unappreciated till I got much older and realized that that's not everyone's circumstance. But they were always just really very driven themselves, and no matter what place they were in, really worked hard at it and really encouraged us to be the same way. You know, I I always played sports in school, too, so I had great coaches along the way and teachers along the way that I really um, look up to and still have some friendships with. There's just been so many people that I really look back and appreciate, including the first person that hired me here at St. Rita's. I correspond with him from time to time. He's retired now, but really appreciated and learned so much from him, too, as a mentor. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, All right, so uh, then you get into some education uh, post-Allen East. Um, Talk about your education and then how that's really shaped you uh, going forward here. Well, I I really enjoyed um, the sciences, math and science through school, and excelled at that, and had learned and understood that pharmacy appeared to be a really good career and having Ohio Northern so close to where I grew up seemed like a really good fit for me. So really pursued pharmacy with all my heart and soul and love um, the career and love the academic related to it. And then when I graduated from there, went to Ohio State to get my doctorate, again, very focused in the pharmacy profession. When I came home came back to this area after living a couple years in Columbus, to get married and, and begin my life here. Um, the first job that opened up, to be honest, was more of a management job. And mm. I was like, hmm, well, I guess I could do it for a while. Mm. <laughs> it didn't sound like that much fun. Yeah. Because I really wanted patients and wanted to be more hands-on care and directly, directly impacting the clinical care. And I would just say at that point, I got hooked. Yeah. I truly enjoyed managing and then got the opportunity to understand the difference between managing and leading people and got my MBA after that and got my fellowship in the American College of Healthcare Executives. I just love, love um, leading and love working with all the variety of disciplines and really trying to help what I enjoyed about healthcare impact on such a bigger stage. Yeah. Yeah. That's all awesome. Um, what what did you uh, listening to that uh, answer? What what is the difference in your mind between managing and leading? So there's a lot of good people that can manage, and I think managing requires a good um, understanding of process and function 
and operations. And I think that there are a lot of people who can help guide and direct from that standpoint. But when you when you cross over into the world of leadership, um, there has to be, I think, a substance there of understanding operations and understanding what it means to manage, but also really taking that to the next level where you're thinking more strategically about things, where you are helping people work through problems that don't have an answer in a manual or a textbook mm. and really helping them to excel in the field that they're in. You know, leading to me is about getting the right people in the right roles and then getting out of their way. Yeah, yeah, very well said. Uh, okay, so uh, you talked, you touched on it a little bit, but why, why healthcare for you? So healthcare for me, and I would say faith-based healthcare, I would even take that one step further, aligns with what I personally, the values that I bring. I love people and love interacting with people and recognize that that being with people in healthcare allows me to have an impact. It's sometimes the most joyful or the most vulnerable, um, sometimes the saddest moment of people's lives, but allows you to really have a deep connection with people. And healthcare's universal, right? Yeah. I always say, well, we're going to need us sometime. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> Either you're born in a hospital or but at some point in your life, you have a chance to make a difference to somebody and interact with them. So it felt really fundamental and really at my core and allowed me to bring my faith to that to that as well. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever think about leaving the, the Lima area uh, or was it always, uh, I'm going to go to school in Columbus and then... I'm coming back to Lima. I probably had some fleeting thoughts, I'll say, when mm-hmm. I was at Ohio Northern of, of leaving or practicing someplace else. Um, but once I um, met my now husband, mm-hmm. <laughs> who also grew up in this community, and I, I think really embraced the fact that there's just nothing wrong with wanting to live in, bring your kids up in, and be there with your family. And, I, you know, there's no, there's just no shame in that. And it can be such a full and enriching life that I really never thought again about it. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, so when you think about healthcare, what what are the biggest challenges today regarding healthcare, and then how you then put your stamp on that leadership part of it to be able to communicate that to your team? Yeah, so those are that's some really challenging questions. Hmm. You know, healthcare as an industry we know is one that is, um, I'll say, become increasingly more unaffordable for people. Mm-hmm. And couple that with the crisis we're seeing right now that I know will ultimately result in more uninsured people yeah. and people struggling to be able to meet their health needs. Those are some huge, huge challenges that are facing us right now. So what I think we bring to that and where I think that we start to um, get excited about that. I get excited about the future of healthcare. I better, right? I'm in it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm discouraged by those things because I think that it's up to us to figure out how to create that changing face of healthcare. Healthcare has not been fantastic at being nimble, but this last six weeks has done a pretty good job of shaking us up and mm. getting a lot more nimble. People expect access to care to be nearly as easy as ordering something off Amazon Mm. or um, the customer experience to be that friendly, that transparent, that easy. Healthcare has a long ways to go to get there. But I think the future of healthcare is trying to find out how we can embrace 
the things that are very consumer centric. We don't want to think of healthcare pe- as patients as consumers, but they are. We've got to make a compelling case for why they would want to seek healthcare from Bounce Core Mercy Health mm-hmm. and why they would want to seek healthcare in the fashion that we're delivering it. In order to do that, we've got to know our patients. We've got to know how to meet them where they are. Back to the access issue. Yeah, that's very, very well said. Uh, what's your ideal culture look like? So funny you should say that. I really, that that's probably the one question that I'm like, wow, what does my, so I thought about and thought I probably would reflect on how the people closest to me work with me of what culture I foster. Mm-hmm. And I think when you and I first started talking today, it was a representative of that so Mm. today we are recognizing all the community schools and universities who have underwent so many changes and so we announced to our 2300 odd employees to wear your school colors or shirts today Mm. so as i sit here in an alan east mustang sweatshirt Mm. which is a far cry from my predecessors yeah (laughs) i would say that i want a culture where and what the culture that I try to live and bring forward is one where people can have a voice, where people are rewarded for hard work and for treating people well, where they don't have to, I'll say, put on airs, be mm. somebody they're not. Mm. I appreciate yeah. people who are genuine and people who understand this is a calling and they embrace that. Nobody's life is perfect. People bring baggage with them to work. I embrace a culture where you're allowed to set that baggage at the door and be the absolute best that you can possibly be when you're here hmm. delivering care to our patients. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's that's really good. Uh, that's really good advice for uh, all companies that uh, that have. And you know, culture has become a big buzzword in the last uh, several years, and uh, I think that uh, we'll be seeing more and more of it. We like to. Uh, uh, this this actually this may we'll be talking about that with our leadership group uh, in our session, uh, which uh, will be very good uh, because I think they get a look at what what's what's culture by default and then what's culture by uh, the ability to share a vision that's a shared vision amongst everyone in the organization. So uh, I'm looking forward to that uh, session as well, and that'll be on May 8th. Um, we're visiting with Rhonda Lehman. She's the CEO of Mercy Health here in Lima, Ohio, and it's great to have her with us. Uh, let me ask you this, Rhonda. What's uh, the best advice that you've ever received? The best advice I have ever received? <laughs> I, co- I thought of a couple of phrases. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's advice as much as maybe some quotes, some things sure. that have resonated with me. Yeah, sure. And one of the things, I, you know, that I... it's perhaps overstated in recent years, but Maya Angelou, who talks about, um, you know, people forgetting what you say, forgetting what you did, but not forgetting how you made them feel. Mm. is something I aspire to. And then I always, I always laugh. I've, I have quite a reputation of being um, prompt and um, maybe mm. a little high energy. So mm. guilty as charged. And, and one of the things that I laugh about is my entire childhood. It's probably still there. There's a little sign on my dad's desk that says, do it now. Mm. Not tomorrow, not the next day, not when you get time, do it now. Right. And I'll tell you the truth. I was raised with that philosophy. And so sometimes, you know, because of 
regulations, legal. There's a lot of barriers to doing it now. Sure. But I really try to um, to have a very action oriented um, type of type of work ethic. Yeah. And I think you need to say, you know, plans plans are nice, but results matter. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very nice. Uh, okay. Uh, let's uh, let's move to advice. Uh, let's move that to what advice would you give young people today uh, entering the workforce? So I think one of the things that, and I think there's, I've studied and read, I'm sure as you have as well, some of the generational differences and trying to understand what the expectations are and how that differs by generations. So that in mind, <laughs> I guess what I would try to offer is that I, I believe that there is such value in proving yourself or putting your best foot forward in whatever that first opportunity looks like. When I hear that people have maybe graduated with a degree that's, you know, the healthcare administration, and then they call me and they literally say like, okay, so I'd like to do your job. Mm. And I smile and I'm like, I didn't even know I wanted to do my job like right. <laughs> a few years ago. So yeah. I, I love goals and I'm so goal oriented. And I write down goals and I work towards goals. But I think sometimes people want to skip so many steps. They're mm. so highly valuable. And so I try to, to make it sound a little less um, daunting than you better get a job, you know, the lowest level. Maybe you don't start at an entry level position, but bloom wherever you're planning. Mm. If you start in a job and you're very discontented because you feel like you could do better and do more, nobody is really going to care mm. unless you show them the tremendous job you do with whatever it is you're doing. I feel like that was the, the secret to me being able to have these different opportunities as my job changed at St. Rita's. I didn't start here. I started here as an intern. I left that part out. I was an intern mm. in the pharmacy. Wow. Like that's like as low as it gets. So yeah. interning in the and learn how to make IVs, deliver medications, restock things, check expiration date. It's, just, it's not a very sexy job, I will yeah. tell you. Yeah. But I didn't dislike it at all. I'd, I'd do it right now if they told me to go upstairs and do it. But I, yeah. I didn't dislike it. I just worked really hard at it. And then someone yeah. said, well, won't you do this over here now? And I didn't work really hard at that. Right. And yes, you can have you can have goals and aspirations. But I guess what I'd say to those people graduating is, Pick something, get into it, and just blow their socks off. Yeah, yeah. Be the best, whatever it is. Yeah, great advice. I always say that when I speak to uh, uh, college classes and uh, high school classes that uh, I talk about doing something that you're passionate about, that you love, that Larry King used to say, the, the, uh, the old uh, radio and TV announcer, broadcaster, he would say, I don't feel like I worked a day in my life because I enjoyed it so much. And yep. he also talked about you know, uh, not having the Sunday night blues where you think, oh, here comes Monday. And I've talked to a lot of classes. I've talked to a lot of people that they've been in positions where they thought that's what they needed to keep doing, but they were getting the Sunday night blues on like Saturday morning. And they felt that the job was coming on Sunday. Or I'm sorry, on Monday. And that it led them to that. And I always say, you know, follow your passion. The money will follow, but the, and the happiness will always be there if you're doing something that you enjoy. So um, I, think I absolutely would agree with that. And I would just say um, probably more now than ever, even in my life, I can say 
I really jump out of bed to come to work. Now, mm. global pandemic aside, because it sounds a little ludicrous to think that, that really made me excited about planning some of those pieces because right. it was also challenging. But I feel very much like this is where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. And you're right. I get excited to come to work and excited to come yeah. and see what the possibilities are and how we can make it even better. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. Uh, could you share with uh, with our audience uh, Allen Alignment Leadership and, and your experience uh, with the All Program? Yeah, so I I really enjoyed the All Program, especially as someone that grew up around here. I kind of thought I've seen a lot. Oh I, yeah, I kind of know this gig. Mm-hmm. I was blown away, and even years later, tell people about you know you drive by places or you know that that business exists or see signs, but when you get to go in and understand the impact that they have globally or in the state or in this community, it's it's life-changing. Yeah. I absolutely loved getting to meet the people. I remember all my classmates. I see some of them from time to time. It creates a bond between organizations, and it creates a tremendous, I think, amount of respect for all of the wonderful things that are happening in Lyman County. Yeah, it's so well said. Uh, I remember going through, I went through it in 2001. And so 2001, our graduation evening, uh, I don't know, was Mickey your uh, instructor? Yes. Yeah. She transitioned the year, it was my last year. Okay, okay. So, so yeah, so Mickey Vollmer, who was our executive director and leader of the program at the time, 2001, September 11th, uh, 2001 was our graduation evening. So uh, th- it's not dissimilar than the pandemic. The pandemic is so much greater and so much wider spread and it and touches so many more people. But at that time, that was an enormous event uh, in our country's history. And living in that, uh, we obviously postponed the graduation night uh, and then had it uh, approximately a month later. Uh, but uh, I agree with you, Rhonda. What, what I saw, uh, I went to Lima Central Catholic, then to the University of Toledo, and then I moved away for about 10 years. And then when I came back, oh, I know everybody and I know everything. And I knew two people of the 32 in the class. And I didn't know anything about our community that I thought I knew, uh, especially behind the scenes, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in education, manufacturing, criminal justice system. Uh, all of those great areas. We even included media, um, and it was just such a great uh, experience. And I was able to continue that uh, with our radio stations and our media company hosting the class every year and then being able to sit on the board. So it's been something that's been special to me, and we're hoping uh, through vehicles like this today, this podcast and other initiatives that we're doing uh, that uh, are helping uh, businesses, and I think even more so than now, we're going to be sharing our expertise uh, through even virtual leaderships and lunch uh, going forward, and things like uh, uh, leadership and legends, where we'll be interviewing people, uh, hopefully in person one of these days, uh, where we'll have a, a broad audience in inside in an auditorium. But we want to be able to bring that to you know our community because I think more now than ever. Our communities and, the, and our businesses and our organizations, whether it's nonprofit or for-profit, are going to need leadership and pathways forward that really help them following this pandemic. Absolutely. Yep. 
Yeah, well, really appreciate your uh, your all experience there. Okay, uh, let, let's let's finish up with this. Um, what's uh, what's on the horizon uh, for Mercy St. Rita's? I call it Mercy St. Rita's. I heard you call it uh, Bon Secours earlier, so I just want to make sure the branding's right for you. But uh, what's on the horizon? And, and coming out of this pandemic, what do you see in the next five to ten years uh, for your organization? Yeah, so there's a couple things that I think about as far as what's on the horizon for us, one of which started before the pandemic, and we were excited about it and continue to be enthusiastic about it, and that's the graduate medical education program or the residency program. And so the building is continuing to go up across Market Street, um, $15 million building that's going to be home to a place to train new physicians in this community, as well as high-tech simulation equipment. And we're very excited because that represents to us growth and it it impacts, as we talked about, many different sectors. So bringing physicians here that will train after medical school, there's a high probability many of them will stay, which again will elevate the level of care that we can provide here. Hmm. But as, as a result of the pandemic specifically, there's going to be a lot of things that change in healthcare. We adopted virtual visits out of necessity overnight. And what was a really a trickling of people interested in doing that became absolutely essential and and just skyrocketed. So I think we're going to see a lot more leveraging artificial intelligence as well as virtual visits, electronic health, to be able to help people really manage their conditions, um, be able to be more convenient for them. So I think that's going to be a definite game changer. And the other big game changer, I believe that's going to come out of this, is just the real understanding of the impact of community health. Again, kind of back to the role of the health department, the role of vaccines, the role of um, being able to control and understand the types of environmental factors that influence people's health is going to be more evidence than ever. And very deeply rooted in that is also the social determinants of health. Hmm. So understanding how people's zip codes can sometimes have a greater effect on their health than their genetic codes Mm. and what they're able to, I didn't coin that phrase, by the way, Mm. and what they're able to Mm. be able to have access to, whether it's food, housing, safety, ultimately impacts their health. We kind of knew that, but I think it's going to really explode in the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it'll be a, uh, you know, it'll be. It's always. It's always been something that has been at the forefront. Uh, is uh, as big of an industry as it is. Uh, maybe I, I don't know if it's still in the 13 to 15 percent of our economy. Maybe it's more than that now. But healthcare will definitely be uh, a, a vital piece, as it always has been in our country's history uh, over the next 50 years. And uh, we appreciate everything that you're doing and your team is doing uh, with uh, everything that's going on now, but also what's gone on prior to that. It's It certainly is a great pleasure to have you with me today. And uh, I'm really, really proud of what you're doing and uh, thankful that uh, you're leading uh, the uh, one of the bigger organizations in our, uh, in our community. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Matt. My pleasure. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. We'll uh, look forward to publishing the podcast and uh, we will uh, look forward to the uh, the next time. Appreciate everybody for being with us here today. It's been Rhonda Lehman. She's the CEO of Mercy St. Rita's right here in Lima, 